The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is Frederick Joseph, the author of two New York Times bestselling books, The Black Friend and Patriarchy Blues, and also the author of the new book, Better Than We Found It. Thank you so much for being here today. Good morning, Zerlina. How are you? You know, I mean, I'm hanging in there. I got to be honest, like weeks like this are difficult because I feel like I'm being traumatized. My therapist said you can't really process trauma in the middle of it. So I'm like trying to get to a place where I feel like I can process trauma. But in the pandemic years, it's like impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Trust me. uh, I, I hear you. I hear you. So this week on the show, and especially in the last two days, we've been having a nuanced conversation. We've been attempting to have a nuanced conversation about systemic racism. And one of the things that's come up in the most recent situation with Tyree Nichols is this idea that it's somehow confusing to do analysis because the police officers themselves are black. Can you talk a bit, just to start us off today, talk a bit about why that doesn't matter (laughs) Why Why yeah. the police officer's race is not as important detail as the race of the person who is the victim of police brutality. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I've been saying recently is that oftentimes when people put on their, their uniform to become officers, they shed um, the culture, the community, so on and so forth that comes along with being black or brown. And oftentimes they... At they, you know, become blue, uh, like they say, right? Like they, they fully um, ingratiate themselves to what that means. And we know that policing has historically in this country been a tool of white supremacy, right? And, you know, that further, to go further, to, to make a further point, anti-blackness is not something that white people have a monopoly on, right? Anti-blackness can manifest in all communities, including the black community, including black people. And some of the more anti-black people we've seen um, historically have been black, sadly. The, the Clarence Thomases and the Carson, uh, um, and the Ben Carsons of the world, right? So in this instance of Tyree Nichols's murder, it doesn't matter that the black officers, um, that the officers were black. They committed a very anti-black murder, right? Okay. Like it doesn't make a difference. The issue is not um, solely about, you know, how a white person interacts with a black person. The issue is how anti-blackness manifests in their systems. And the issue really is policing. What do you think some of the obstacles are that keep us from, I mean, every time we, we have a situation like this, we're like, we have to have a conversation about race and racism and white supremacy. And then there's always obstacles keeping us from actually having the conversation. I feel like this moment might be different because the police officers are black. They were held accountable, ironically, 
immediately, within 20 days of the incident actually taking place, fired and charged um, differently than Derek Chauvin. Um, but I feel like we never really get to the conversation. So what what are some of the things that we we should be talking about in a moment like this one that appears different than previous ones, where we're all sort of united in the idea that the police in this situation were in the wrong. So how do we have a conversation about the reason why the victims um, in these police brutality cases are always black? How do we have the white supremacy conversation that we often talk about wanting to have, but we never get to? Well, I think to have the conversation, we have to talk about two things. One, we have to talk about the history of policing, right? And and modern police being rooted in um, the, the the capturing of enslaved people, which is how, once again, our, our modern incarnation uh, or modern incarnation of of policing is is rooted in slave catchers, right? Like, and I don't think that most people know that. That's history that people just won't talk about. I think the other thing that we need to be talking about specifically is how much power police officers have, right? Even when someone complies, right? Like, mm-hmm. why do we give police officers and units of police the power to be judge, jury, and executioner? That is not a police officer's job, right? Like, that's it, there's no, in no way, shape, or form should one person with a uniform get to decide who lives or dies in any given moment. That's mm. that's not their job. So that's the conversation that we, those are two conversations we need to be having. What is the job of the police? Have they been doing the job? Because I think a statistic actually came out recently that the police actually have, have if I'm not mistaken, I wanna get this right, that the police have not solved most of the crimes in major cities over the last 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wait, the police are a, a failure all around. Why mm-hmm. are we putting more money into a failed aspect of 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 our of our um, systems in this country? Right, like so. All around, we need to be having more oversight on what the police do, why they're failing, and what they should um, not have the opportunity to do. In terms of that history piece, I think the link to slave patrols is really important here, and that's why. Um, someone, an author like yourself, who's, you know, a part of these banned book lists is important to talk to in a moment like this, because you have a movement in the conservative um, space and the um, in the political right, basically banning black history. And, you know, most recently, Ron DeSantis banning um, an AP African-American studies class that the college board now has to go reformulate because he thought the queer theory aspects of the curriculum violated the the stop woke act in florida talk about why that history is important though um because otherwise you don't you can't do the proper analysis of the institution of policing in 2023 unless you connect that to the history of the origins of police as slave patrols um and we're not we don't even want to teach that history right now exactly you can't contextualize something that you don't understand right and that's that's the reality of it. And and I think that it's strategic on the part of the right to make sure that we aren't having the conversations. Because once we actually start having conversations about the history of policing and people start understanding what they're seeing in real time, like to understand that this system is rooted in in, in oppression by its very nature, 
when you then see five black officers, actually, excuse me, five black officers and a white officer, um, because that's important and that's been left out. Um, mm -hmm. Five black officers and a white officer murder a, a young black man. You understand it more when you get the history, right? But to erase that history allows people to maintain their power. You know, I, I look back at the at the summer of 2020 and this is when book bans really started kicking up again they've always been going on but when they really started happening again after this what was interesting to me in the summer of 2020 being outside protesting with everybody was that there were a lot of young white people jumping to the front lines to place their body um in front of black and brown people to protect them from the police and that's not happenstance that's because they read about their privilege they read about their power they're following social media accounts that are teaching them things and thus they are trying to make a change right there's a divestment from white supremacy happening with white people white young people in particular when they understand white supremacy you don't want that though if you're trying to maintain white supremacy and so the ron DeSantis, the greg abbott's the people who want to maintain these structures so that they can maintain power are going to ban books like mine the black friend or um ban books even i found out that my second book patriarchy blue is actually banned in some prisons of course you would ban a book about patriarchy and unpacking patriarchy by a cishet black man in prison because you want people to maintain uh, uh, the status quo of, of patriarchal violence, the status quo of rape culture, the status quo of homophobia, so on mm -hmm. and so forth. You don't want them to step away from prison, whether that's physically or in the mind, because you benefit from them staying there or coming right back. One of the other things, that's such an important point, um, and one of the other things it makes me think about is also how we can expand our conversation when we talk about systemic racism. So you mentioned even aspects of patriarchy, um, you know, being necessary to expand your thinking. But I think we, we have sort of a basic idea most of the time about what racism looks like. We're like, it's an it's the N-word or an individual instance of discrimination. Um, and then when we get to things like systemic racism, even when people say it, I think now it's more common to hear that in the mainstream press, but we don't define it. So before we go, I want to sort of leave people um, and, you know, with some wisdom to marinate on why we need to start thinking about systemic racism um, more versus the individual instances of racism and think through the impacts of systemic racism and how these systems of oppression work. You know, Zerlina, I, I, I love that. And, and I want to actually go a little further, not just systemic and institutional, but systemic experiential, right? Because mm -hmm. I actually think mm -hmm. that's where most people are caught up. And even with my first book, The Black Friend, that's what I'm discussing in that book, right? I think that we have done a, a, a fairly decent job of writing about and, and, and contextualizing um, institutional racism, like high-level um, you know, historical things that have happened, right? But we don't talk enough about how those historic things manifest in our daily lives. Like what it means for me to be a black man on a, on a flight um, in first class and have mm -hmm. everyone ask me if I'm a rapper, right? That's racism, right? Racism is not solely me being called the N-word. We yep. look at racism in this country as if it is the desecration of the black body, right? But that's not solely what racism is. Racism is the mental, emotional, physical violence and toll that we have to deal with in our daily interactions with people, 
right? And and so, you know, that's, again, what I'm trying to talk about. Like, what does it mean if we say high level, right, that, that we have a racist educational system in this country? Our education system is, is racist and has been racist and segregated. Great. So what did that mean for me being mm -hmm. a Black kid in school in the 90s, right? right? What did that mean for me being a Black young man in college, right? And those are the conversations we need to be having. So... Um, I, I want people to start conceptualizing racism more through daily experiences right. and, and the other aspects of how violence manifests and not just the N-word or lynchings. Fred Joseph, two times New York Times bestselling author of The Black Front and Patriarchy Blues. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday. Bye. Bye.